see this morning, we're going to begin reading with verse number 14, Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginnings of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. Not sure we got the right version up there, but that's okay. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To the churches. Father, we just pray today, Father, that your anointing, Lord, will rest upon the message, upon the messenger, Lord, today. Father, we just pray that you'll give us ears to hear the word of the Lord today. And Father, may we make application of the word that we receive today. For the glory of God, we ask these things. All of God's people said, Praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Now, the passage that we have just read is the last of seven letters written to seven different churches in Asia Minor by John. And although these letters might have come from his pen, yet they actually come from the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And although these letters were written to seven different and distinct churches, God intended them to be read, He intended them to be studied, He intended for them to be heeded by the church as a whole, the church of that day as well as the church of today. We understand there are two ways to learn. One is by trial and error, three steps forward and two steps back. We can learn from personal experience. We also know that we can learn from the successes and failures of other people. Those of us who have older siblings have had an advantage over them. Our advantage was twofold. First of all, our parents had a little bit of experience by the time we came along. They practiced on our older brothers and sisters and hopefully were able to correct some of the mistakes that they made on them. And that's why we turned out so good. The second advantage that we had is we could, we could watch our older siblings. We could watch our older brother and our older sister and we could see the mistakes that they made. We could see what they could and they could not get away with. 
This letter was written to the church of Laodicea. The Lord had a specific message that was to be uh, given to them. Uh, But you and I as individuals and we as a church body can learn much from this letter as well. There are five things that I want to point out to you in this letter to the Laodicean church. And hopefully we can learn from their mistakes. Hopefully we can learn from the things that uh, that they didn't do to please the Lord. And we can correct those uh, and not be guilty of those things ourselves. Well, the first thing I want us to notice in this passage is the first thing about this uh, uh, contained in this letter. I want you to notice, number one, the condition. Notice the condition. What was the condition of this church? Well, let's look and see in the uh, book of the Revelation there that we read earlier in uh, verses 15 uh, and 16. Uh, the Lord says, or the writer says, uh, speaking the words of the Lord, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I will vomit you out of my mouth. I think I skipped a line. Let me try it again. Verse 15. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were either cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm. Say lukewarm. Because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Jesus said that this Laodicean church was lukewarm. Jesus said you're not hot and you're not cold. Heard about a pastor that after service, one of the, one of the members on their way out responded and uh, replied to the pastor, very warm sermon this morning, pastor, very warm. Well, he felt pretty good about that. You know, I, I preached a warm message. That's, that's, that's good, I think. And then the longer he thought about it, the longer, I don't know if that's good or not. So he went into his office and he got out the dictionary and he looked up the word warm and the word warm literally means not too hot. Jesus said, you're neither cold and you're not hot. And he said something very interesting, I think. He he said, I would rather, rather that you be hot or that you be cold. Now, it's easy to understand the hot part. Sure, Lord, I know that you would love it if we were red hot. You would love it. It would please you if we were on fire, full of zeal and excitement and enthusiasm. How you would love it and be pleased if if praise was continually upon our lips. How if we were telling everybody that we come in contact with how great and how mighty and how marvelous and how wonderful you are. How you would love it if the joy of the Lord radiated on our countenance. Oh, if there was a spring in our step. Oh, a positive, uplifting, faith-filled words were constantly flowing out of our mouth. You would love it if we were first to volunteer for ministry. You would love it if we were quick to open our wallets to support the work of the Lord. Sure, Lord, I understand that you would prefer that we were red hot. But he didn't just say I would prefer you to be hot. He said I'd rather you be hot or cold. Rather than lukewarm. Lord, you would rather us be ice cold than lukewarm? Why in the world could that possibly be? Well, let me just suggest that that when you become cold in your heart, when you become cold in your spirit, at least you know it. 
I said, when you become cold in your spirit and cold in your soul, at least you're aware of the fact, especially if there was a time when you were red hot on fire for God. When you're cold in your spirit, you stop reading the word of God. When you're cold in your spirit, you stop praying. When you're cold in your spirit, you stop coming to the house of the Lord. Or at least you become sporadic. When you become cold in your spirit, you stop letting down or start letting down your guard. You start talking differently. You allow words to come into your vocabulary that you never would have allowed before. You tell jokes you never would have told before. You entertain jokes you would never have. Oh, you start participating in questionable activities. Oh, when you become cold in your spirit, you're aware of it. You know you have drifted. You know you're far from God. You know of it. And you know you need to repent. To be lukewarm, on the other hand, everyone is aware of it but you. Why would he rather us be even cold than lukewarm? Because at least when we're cold in our spirit, we're aware of it. We know it. We know how far we've drifted. We know how far from God we are. But when we're in, when we become lukewarm in our spirit, everybody around us, everybody that knows us is aware of it. Everybody knows it. But us, we still keep doing the same things we have always done. But, but, but now there's no spark, there's no fire, there's no excitement, there's no enthusiasm. Oh, we're still going through the motions. We're still oiling the machinery. We're still doing what is expected of us. We keep putting one foot in front of the other. We still put up the image. But oh, where is the joy and where is the life and where is the enthusiasm and where is the spark? All of a sudden we're on automatic pilot. We've done it so many times. We can do it blindfolded. We can do it with one hand tied behind our back. How oh, and we just keep on going through the motions, our attitude. It's stinky. We become bitter. We become critical. We become cynical. How nothing or no one can please us. And such was the case with the Laodicean church. Oh, they know how to have church. Don't tell us how to have church was their attitude. We were having church before you were ever born. Why, they knew so much about how to have church, they didn't even need Jesus. And they were literally having church without Jesus. Verse 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him. Most of the time we use this as a scripture for salvation when we're leading someone to Christ and we say that Jesus is knocking on our heart's door. And if we'll open our heart's door, Jesus will come in. And that's true, but that's really not the context. That's not really what's going on here. In reality, it's Jesus Christ standing on the outside of his own church. Knocking on the door. Standing on the outside of his own church. Ephesians 5 and 25, Christ loved the church. How much did he love it? And gave himself for it. 
The very church that Jesus died for. The very church that Jesus went to the cross for. He's standing on this outside of it looking in. And he's knocking on the door of his own church. And the uh, saints are on the inside of the church. And they're having church without him. They're going through their spiritual calisthenics. Oh, they've got their programs and they've got their tradition and they've got their schedule. Amen. They're having church and they're not even aware that Jesus is not even there. He's standing on the outside of his own church saying, hey, but what about me? Oh, I know that your program is so important to you because you've always had that program, but what about me? I know, he says, your tradition is, oh, oh, it's so, it's so strong. I understand that, but what about me? I know, Sister Bertha, Better than you bought the pews, but what about me? What about me? They're having church and Jesus isn't even there. Oh, what about me? Don't you need me? Oh, but the lukewarm church is so busy having church. They're so busy oiling the machinery that they themselves have developed. And they're so busy oiling the machinery that they themselves have developed over years of tradition and years of doing it this way. Amen. That they don't even know. Amen. That though they're oiling the machinery and they're going through the motion and they're having their program and they're doing their thing. Amen. But the Lord is nowhere to be found. Think about this. You can become lukewarm in a red hot church. I said, You can become lukewarm in a red hot church. The church as a whole can be red hot. It can be on fire. How the presence of God, the glory of God, the spirit of God, the power of God. People are getting saved. People, amen, are getting their lives put back together. The spirit of God is rich and real and mighty and wonderful and powerful. But in the midst of revival, in the midst of a red hot church, you yourself individually can become lukewarm. Taking notes, write this down this morning. Our spiritual condition is a matter of choice. Our spiritual condition is a matter of choice. Notice Jesus had 12 disciples. 11 of them did pretty well. Three of them did great. One of them lay on the breast of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of them was a devil. Our spiritual condition is a matter of choice. You can point a finger at the pastor. You can point a finger at the staff. You can point a finger at the leadership of the church. But let me tell you this morning, at the end of the day, it comes down to you and me as individuals. Amen. We can become lukewarm in a red hot church. Everything can be going awesome and incredible and wonderful all around us. And yet you and I, as individuals, we can become lukewarm ourselves. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to us as individualists. And as my daddy always said, when I point a finger at you, I've got three of them. 
pointing right back at me. All right, we've talked about the condition. Now let's take a look at the cause. The cause. What caused the Laodicean church to become lukewarm? You see, if we can, if we can discover the cause, maybe we can learn from them and avoid becoming lukewarm ourselves. Let me suggest that the cause of their lukewarmness was twofold. I believe it was pride and presumption. Pride and presumption. Well, where do you find that, Pastor? Well, I'll find it in the Bible, right there in the verse. I'm getting everything from the verse. Say, from the verse. From the passage. Verse 17, Jesus said, because you say. Because you say I'm rich and I'm wealthy and I don't need anything. Wow, what arrogance. What arrogance. What self-dependency. Through pride, they'd become confident in what they could produce. I'll tell you something this morning. We need to be careful as a church. Now, I'm not just talking about New Bethel. I'm, and I'm cl- including New Bethel. But the church as a whole, we need to be careful today. Hollywood has nothing on the church today. With our videos and our productions and our state-of-the-art equipment and the lights and the sound and the program. And hear everything I have to say this morning. Not just the little part you wanted to hear. If you're going to quote me, quote it all. I said Hollywood has nothing on us today with our videos, our productions, our state-of-the-art equipment, the lights, the sound, the program. But hear me this morning, there's nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. I believe we should use every single tool at our disposal. I believe that we need to be relevant to our times. I believe we should do everything we do with excellence. Excellence doesn't mean we do it better than any other church. Excellence means we do the best we can with what we have to work with. But hear me this morning, this can never take the place of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Amen. Thank God for the new technology and we'll use it. And we're developing it and we're learning from it and we're trying to be relevant. Uh, Amen. And that's important in this day. But let me tell you something else this morning. Though we want to be relevant, we also want to be a full gospel church full of the Spirit of God and the presence of God and the glory of God and the splendor of God. Amen. And the technology. Amen. In our methods and the things that we do, though we may make some changes and tweak some things and try, amen, and be a little more relevant to our day, let me tell you that in New Bethel there will always be a place for the Spirit of God. There will always be a place for the preaching of the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some are using this to take the place of. We will use it, amen, in addition to. We will use it as a tool and a means and a way of being relevant. But it will never take the place of the Spirit of God and the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friend, we should never become dependent upon these things. Our dependency is upon God. Our dependency is upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether the, whether the, uh, uh, the, the machinery works or not. 
Whether technology works or whether it breaks down doesn't really matter because it has little to do with the actual effect, what the effect, the outcome of it is all based upon is whether or not the Spirit of God shows up, whether or not the power of God and the Word of God is preached and the time is given for the Spirit of God to work. Our dependency is upon God and the power of His Spirit. Through pride, these Laodicean Oh, thought they had everything they needed. They, they presumed that they could just keep oiling the machinery and the machinery would just continue to produce. Oh, they left one thing out and that one thing that they left out was the main thing. You know, I'm not, I don't know that much about cooking. I, I do know what good cooking is and bad cooking is. I don't know that much about cooking, but I do know that you can prepare a dish and you can leave out a minor ingredient and the dish can still turn out okay. It may not have been as good as it ever was. It may not be the best time you've ever prepared it. But you can leave out a minor ingredient and the dish will still be okay. It will still taste good. It will still, uh, uh, you'll still be able to eat it. But if you leave out one of the key ingredients, one of the main ingredients, then your dish will turn out to be a flop. The Laodiceans left out the number one key ingredient of all and that was their dependency on God. How oh, they said we're and we're increased with goods. We've got all that we need. We don't need anything but the thing they forgot was that what it was all about, the Lord Jesus Christ, they forgot about Him. He's not even there. Psalm 127 and 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Some churches are churches in name only. They go through their little religious uh, exercise. They have their programs and their customs and their traditions. And they're really, really proud of what they're doing. And yet the Lord is nowhere to be found. Somehow they lost him in all their churchiness. Friend, let's don't get so churchy that we forget about what this is all about. Let's not get so involved in being, being churchy, amen, that we have forgotten what this is all about. The key ingredient and, and the main player in this thing, amen, is not what I like or you like or what I want or you want. What it's all about is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, you lift me up, you glorify me, you lift me up. And he said, I'll draw all men unto me. He's standing on the outside of many a church today, knocking on the door. He wants to come in. He wants their fellowship. He wants to be included. But they're lukewarm and they don't even notice that the main attraction is not even there. Friend, pride is a very dangerous thing. Proverbs 11 and 2, when pride comes, then comes shame. Proverbs 16 and 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit precedes a fall. All right, we've talked about the condition and the cause. Let's look at the counsel this morning, the counsel. And that's found in verse number 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. What, what, what's he saying? What's that all about? What's that verse all about? He's simply saying, stop looking to yourselves and start looking to me. Buy from me. Say me. 
Buy from me, he says. Purchase from me. Verse 17, he said, you say you're rich and have need of nothing and you become wealthy. Oh, but let me tell you the, let me tell you about the true riches, Jesus says. And true, true riches according unto the word of God and according unto this passage have little to do with dollars and cents. You see, some of the wealthiest people in this world who have the biggest bank accounts are spiritually bankrupt. Oh, and yet on the other hand, there are saints who don't have two nickels to rub together. Yet in true riches, oh, they make Oprah and Donald Trump and Bill Gates look like paupers. Jesus says here, Those who are truly rich are those who have gone through the fiery trial of testing. And because they have gone through the fiery trial of testing, they have come forth and they have been purified as gold is purified in the fire. The truly rich are those, Jesus said, that have put on the robe of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. The truly rich Jesus said are those who anoint their eyes with eye salve. Oh, those who, uh, whose spiritual eyes are open to see what the true spirit, true, uh, what the true riches really are. Oh, through their natural eyes, these Laodicean saints saw themselves rich. They saw themselves wealthy. How oh, they saw themselves in need of nothing. But Jesus saw them quite differently. Verse 17, he said, this is the way I see you. You're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. Listen, friend, may we be bold enough, and boy, we'd have to be bold. May we be bold enough to ask God to let us see ourselves as He sees us. Friend, if we would let God show us how He sees us, we could either rejoice or we could repent based on what we see. You see, if we are truly relying on His grace and on His mercy and truly relying upon the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, then when He looks at us, He sees the blood of Jesus that covers us. That's what He sees. But if we are like the Laodiceans filled with pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency, when He looks upon us, He will see us like He saw them, wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. May we ask the Lord to let us see ourselves as He sees us. And then notice the next thing in this passage, and that is the chastisement. The chastisement. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Now these Laodicean saints may be missing the mark, but they are not without hope. Isn't that wonderful? I said they might and they are missing the mark, and yet they are not without hope. Because the enduring and everlasting love of their Lord causes him to be patient with them, long-suffering with them, abundant in mercy and grace towards them. In verse 16, he says, you make me sick. You think I'm plain spoken? You ought to have been around your sweet little Jesus. Jesus said, you make me sick. Send this letter to them. Tell them they make me sick. 
I'm reeling some stuff in right now. You make me sick. That's what he said. You make me want to vomit, he said. Would you like to get a letter like that from Jesus? You wouldn't even put up with that from me. You'd throw me out. Stomp on me on the way out. Jesus said, you make me sick. You make me want to vomit. I'm put out with you. I'm upset with you. That's what he said in verse 16. But in verse 19, he says, because of my overwhelming love for you, I'm going to chastise you. I'm not going to spit you out. I'm not going to vomit you out. I want to. I feel like it. I'm sick to my stomach. I would like to do it, but I'm not going to, he says. But I'm going to chastise you, and I'm going to call you to repentance. If you're a lukewarm saint this morning, God loves you, and he misses you. He misses the intimacy that that, that you once had with him. Oh, oh, he misses the fellowship. He misses the communion. There was one time when you were on fire for him. There once was a time when the joy of the Lord radiated from your your face. And oh, there was a spring in your step. And and there was joy that came out of your heart. And and, oh, you love the Word of God. And you love the saints of God. And you love the men of God. And you love the Spirit of God. And there once was a day when, wow, you were just so fired up for God. Today you find yourself lukewarm and he misses you. He misses the intimacy you once had with him. He misses the fellowship. Oh, you've allowed the fire to burn down to just a bare flicker. Repent, he says to you. Throw, throw some fresh wood on the fire. Stoke the, stoke the coals. Allow the flame. Oh, the fire is still there. It's maybe barely burning. You're lukewarm. It's not red hot, but it's not totally out either. There's still some fire there. There's still a coal there. There's still a little bit of fire there. Stoke the coal. Stir up the fire. Amen. And let the fire begin to blaze once again in your spirit. The last thing that I find in this passage this morning is the challenge. Notice the challenge in verse 20 and 21. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him, come into him and dine with him and he with me. Oh, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. Notice what Jesus said here. He said, if anyone hears my voice, say anyone. Jesus said, if anyone hears my voice and, say and. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. I will come into him, say him. And I will sup with him, say him. You see, you don't have to be a pastor to open the door. If anyone will open the door. You don't have to be a deacon to open the door. If anyone will open the door. Perhaps you're here this morning, you're a guest today, oh, from another church in another city, maybe, maybe your church is lukewarm, oh, maybe your church is like the Laodicean church, lukewarm, but you, 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 you can open the door. You don't have to depend upon the pastor to open the door, or the leadership to open the door. Amen, Jesus said, if anyone will open the door, you 
can open the door and let Jesus come into your church. You can be the spark all that starts a blazing fire in your church. Like I said a moment ago, you can become lukewarm in a red-hot church because our spiritual condition is a matter of choice. Friend, if you yourself have sat right here in this church and allowed yourself to become lukewarm, you become lukewarm in a red-hot church. Jesus said, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone, that's personal this morning. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and I will dine with With Him. Listen to me this morning. Listen to me, church. Listen. Listen. Maybe nobody else will open the door this morning. I said maybe nobody else this morning will open the door this morning. Maybe people will leave this church and they will yawn and say, Wow, you know, that was kind of mediocre. Wow, that wasn't all that hot. Or maybe you'll be one of those that come by me and say, Good warm sermon this morning. But maybe, maybe, just maybe this morning you'll be one of those. Amen. If you will hear the voice of the Lord, if you will open the door this morning, I'm telling you, if you're lukewarm this morning, you don't have to wait until the church gets red hot. You don't have to wait till everybody gets red hot. Amen. If you'll open the door this morning. Amen. If you'll open the door. He promised he'll come in. And he'll dine with you this morning. Hallelujah. 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 James 4 and 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Amen. Friend, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. and He's willing to knock. Oh, but He won't break the door down. Patiently, He will continue to knock and continue to knock and continue to knock. But He will not come in without an invitation. The doorknob is on the inside. And only to those who open the door will He come in and sup with them and He with them. Amen? It's amazing to me. I can preach a sermon and I can have people leave and say that was the greatest sermon I ever heard in my life. And I can have others give me a critical email on the same sermon. You know what that tells me? It's all about us as an individual. It's all about us as an individual. If he, oh, if anyone, if anyone will hear my voice. Not everybody's going to hear his voice. Not everybody's going to not everybody's going to recognize that they become lukewarm. And I'm not saying we're all lukewarm this morning. You're missing the message if you hear that today. I'm not saying New Bethel is lukewarm this morning. Amen. I told you that this Laodicean church, that was what the message was to them. But we're to study their message so that we can keep from making the the mistake that they made. Amen. Just because they were lukewarm doesn't mean we should be lukewarm. Because we know what brought about lukewarmness to them, we can avoid that and not become lukewarm ourselves. But everybody around you might be red hot on fire and you yourself can sit right there. And become lukewarm. But the good news is, oh Jesus said, I'm sick of you. I just like to, I just like to vomit. Just like to spew you out of my mouth. But I love you so much. I'm gonna just chasing you. I'm just gonna correct you. I'm just gonna call you to repentance. And now if you'll hear my voice and you will open the door, I'll come in and dine with you and you. You can become lukewarm in a red-hot church. You can be red-hot in a lukewarm church. Because it's not about anybody but you and God. 
If the worship team could get back in place this morning, please. Hallelujah. Father, we just pray that you'll take this little word that you have burned within our spirit. And oh God, you'll help us today. Help us to listen to the word, to hear the spirit of God, to hear the pulling and the yearning and the desire of the Holy Spirit today to work in our hearts and to work in our lives. Would everyone stand with me this morning, please? Everyone stand this morning, please. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. Nobody is looking about and please no one leaving unless you have a disturbing baby or child and we appreciate you taking care of that. That's wisdom and we understand it. But as we stand in honor and in reverence in this holy place, in this holy time, I don't want to assume that everybody is ready for heaven today. So I'm going to give a moment this morning an opportunity. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're in this building this morning and you're not 100% convinced of your salvation, for whatever reason you're not 100% convinced, I want you to have that 100% assurance today. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand in this place. We're going to have a prayer. We want to believe God with you and help you this morning. Anyone in this room today? Alright, this next question I'm going to ask this morning as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. No one's going to see it. No one on the platform is looking. The ushers are not looking. Just between you and God this morning. If you're here this morning and you've allowed yourself to become lukewarm, you're not hot, you're not cold. Warm in your heart and in your spirit. You know it this morning. And you're ready to do something about it this morning. If I've described you today, can I see your hand this morning all over this room? It'll take a lot of guts. Thank you, sir. How many others this morning? Lift a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Some are putting them up barely. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. I understand. You can put them down now. How many others this morning? I've allowed myself to become lukewarm. I've allowed myself to become lukewarm. I've allowed myself to I wonder for those of you this morning that maybe you're not lukewarm this morning, but you know that if you keep going down the road that you're on right now, that it's going to lead to lukewarmness in your life. And right now, before it happens, before you get there, you want to repent. Repent simply means to turn around. It means to turn and go the opposite direction. You want to get on a different road this morning to make sure that road, that road doesn't lead you to lukewarmness. If I described you, would you be honest before God this morning? Not necessarily there, but maybe I'm on the road. I may be headed in that direction. I want to I want to make a correction right now in my life so that I don't I don't wind up. Lukewarm. Can I see your hand this morning? Thank you. There's some hands. Thank you. There's some hands this morning. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Well, could we move forward into the presence of the Lord, into the altar area this morning? Would, could we, everyone, just...